AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Inflation, tight diesel supplies, China's next move after the CCP Congress, Russia weaponizing grain, E-RINs, Farm Bill, and Mexico maintains plans to ban imports of GM Corp. That is all on the agenda for the free-for-all before we make our way to K-State for the Farm Journal College Roadshow. Live from the glorious culmination of this Ag News Reporting Week from Farm Journal Broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, it's our Friday Bereaver-Hall. Panelists Jim Wiesmeyer and Tyson Redpath, and later, we'll join Farm Journal's College Roadshow with Terry Griffin from K-State. And right after the news, Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now here's the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory. Thank you very much, Davis. Wow, man, it feels like we should get started right now, doesn't it? It really does, yeah. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Just... Uh, I, I want to include this. Stick around for the end of the show on the College Roadshow mm-hmm. because the conversation with Terry is really interesting. It's a we we focus on who is adopting technology, who isn't adopting technology, and reasons why. There are reasons mm-hmm. why you may decide that no, that technology is not for me. Let's move on. Let's get to the next level. So it's a really interesting conversation. But man, the ground that we've got to cover. Um, before we yeah. get to it in the free-for-all. Glad to have Tyson back. He had a couple of things that he wanted to get to last week that we did not get to, but we are going to get to it today because one of the things that he wants to talk about is China and how is not only the U.S., but the world, but the world going to deal with China over the next, is it few months or is it few years as they prepared to do what they said they are going to do and that is to annex taiwan so it's mm. going to be an interesting conversation to get get tyson's take on that i'm looking Indeed. forward to it you as am i i am looking forward right. to it as well welcome glad that you are with us this morning i'm chip that's davis hello and he's got the news well, Chip, let's start with a USDA daily export sale or two. 126,000 metric tons of beans to China for 2223 and 198,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to Spain during the wow. 2022 and 23 marketing year, Chip. Yeah. Um, obviously, Spain is a buyer of U.S. beans, a traditional buyer of U.S. beans. Um, I'm a little surprised that they are doing it with the dollar where it's at. It makes mm-hmm. me feel like it's not really a panic buy, but I think it's a, listen, we've had a bit of a setback in the dollar. We've had a bit of a setback in price. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and capture this before things turn around and go back up. It does feel opportunistic. And you know what? Yeah. Good for them and good for us. <laughs> well, Kiev residents face prolonged blackouts after Russian airstrikes hit Ukraine's electric system again overnight. And Russia said it could target U.S. commercial satellites if they are used to help Ukraine. That expands its threats of reprisals to a new theater that could hit closer to home for American interests. Meanwhile, Putin said Thursday he does not think it would be necessary to use 
nuclear weapons. Dude, if they take out a satellite, I mean... Dude, you know what they're probably talking about is the communications through Mm -hmm. social media that are maintained because Musk said, Elon Musk said, listen, we're just going to let this stuff continue to run. (laughs) You know, um, if they start taking out some of Elon Musk's uh, satellites, ooh. Well, he, the may, federal... he may take his eye off of Twitter for a moment if that happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Federal Trade Commission and the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States will launch an investigation in response to a Forbes report that a China-based team at TikTok parent ByteDance planned to use the TikTok app to surveil specific American citizens without their knowledge or consent. This is... The the concept is not new, but an investigation no. into this would would really be great. Oh, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. The U.S. U.S. mortgage rates have risen above seven percent. That's the highest level since two thousand two, according to a survey by Freddie Mac, and that's likely to put further pressure on the housing market, which is already in the midst of a slowdown. The International Monetary Fund cut its forecast for economic growth in Asia this year from 4.3% to 4%. The fund said that several factors were weighing on the region, including rising interest rates and inflation, an unrelated slowdown in China, and the war in Ukraine. That chip in 2021, the Asian region grew by 6.5%. Mexico says it does not plan to amend its ban on GMO corn imports that starts in 2024. The country is on track to cut its U.S. imports of yellow corn in half via increased (laughs) domestic production. And they're also talking about sourcing from individual operations here in the U.S. and in Argentina. If you could double your production, why haven't they done it already? You can't just say, listen, we're going to double production in two years and do it. if they if it could be if they could be raising that much corn, I think they already would be. Well, Amazon shares plunged eighteen percent to less than ninety dollars in after hours trading, pushing the stock to its lowest level since early twenty twenty, and rendering the company just the latest casualty of an earnings season that has tanked the value of some of technology's biggest players. Uh, two rail labor unions have rejected a proposed agreement reached between union and railroad negotiating parties in September. A strike may be forthcoming mid-November, perhaps as early as December. Uh, and according to the International Fertilizer Association, ammonia capacity in Europe is coming back online, however, slowly. About 47% back online or is offline. That's down from 70% in September, Chip. All right, very good. Davis, and very quickly, Paul Pelosi, the husband of House Speaker Nancy I Pelosi. I saw this. Yes. Was, quote, viciously attacked, yeah. I think, early this morning at their residence in San Francisco. Um, boy, you, I, everybody hopes he's okay, yeah. but what a scary situation. Indeed. Scary situation, yeah. Indeed. Waiting for details on that. All right, thank you so much. Let's get Jennifer Scheich, editor of Farm Journal Port. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. How are things at the FFA convention? Uh, incredible. It has just been an amazing week here. I, if you need to get excited about life, just come to FFA convention, or if you want to feel like you're getting old, but, uh, it's been a good week. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just infectious. The excitement that the, that the youth bring into Indianapolis every year, it is, it's infectious, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I just, there, there's just a lot of really great kids here. They're so talented. I mean, everywhere you look, it just, it just oozes talent. 
kindness, just really amazing kids. And it starts up at the top. It's been incredible to listen to some of the, the national officers, just their leadership up front, their retiring addresses and their passion for agriculture and specifically for farming and elevating the importance of, of what farmers do every day. And I thought that was a really cool part of this morning's session that I listened to. Well, and the communication ability of these people, of these young people that you were talking about, Jennifer, uh, we, we, we talk about how important it is for farmers and agriculture to tell its story. We couldn't ask for better reps to do that. Oh, not at all. Not at all. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to point out, I've, I've been a part of this agri-science fair and I'm just watching it like really grow in numbers and I'm amazed as I walk through some of those research posters yeah. to just see the kind of work that they're doing I mean they're they're like yeah. investigating problems that we all deal with and trying to find solutions already and they're not even in college yet so yeah it's, it's cool. very cool it's very exciting Jennifer we'll look for more of that at porkbusiness.com thank you so much we've got the free-for-all coming up next AgriTalk is brought to you by Bex. Bex Hybrids is with you every turn because both on and off the field, we're all farmers at heart. See why at BexHybrids.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this morning. Let's start to bring in the panelists for today's free-for-all. Davis Michelson. Oh. Are you ready? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. Any opening totally shots? Yes. The Wall Street Journal says that the Philadelphia Phillies win the World Series. Watch out! <laughs> Over the past century, economic crises tend to follow a successful season by the Phillies. The city's championship in 1929 preceded the Great Depression. So there's yeah. that. Yeah. But that, okay, but here's the deal. It's either deal with, with economic disaster or... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Houston Astros win another World Series, and I think I'd rather go ahead and deal with the disaster, the economic <laughs> problems. Jim, uh, Jim wow. Weissmeyer, how about you, well, buddy? I want Dusty Baker to win, so oh. and this is Houston without the cans. Okay, without cheating. the trash cans, yeah. Yeah, yep. they're not cheating. Are you, are you sure about that, Weissmeyer? Well, sure they, they they've got anything? some good players. I'm never sure of anything, but... Uh, <laughs> I'll go with Dusty Baker. I'll go with Dusty. Okay. All right. You know, Dusty, you know, when he was with the Cubs, 
both as a player and as a manager. That was interesting. That was interesting. It was it, it was a fun time, no doubt about it, until he wore out every pitcher that we threw out there on the mound. Yeah. I think he's learned his lesson since then. But other than that, that voice that everyone heard was Tyson Redpath from the Russell Group. Good morning, Tyson. Morning, Chip. Sorry for some audio difficulties here, but it's good to be with you. Yeah, I'm glad that you are with us. Okay, let's start with inflation. We had the Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, the the uh, PCE price index out this morning, increased 0.5% from last month, 5.1% year on year, Jim. You take the food and energy out of it, it's a 6.2% year on year gain. What do you make of it? Uh, inflation is uh, escalating, uh, despite what the White House may say, and we're going to have to have higher rates to kill it. Yeah. Tyson, this locks in a 0.75% increase in the Fed funds rate next week, don't you think? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry to be so blunt. I mean, you know, that that long adage of, um, you know, when the when the Fed is fighting inflation, get out of its way. And right. and I, I I'm not sure that there's anything that can get in its way. Interestingly, this week, you know, you started to see some Democratic senators, Sherrod Brown and others, clearly feeling the political consequences, although he's not up in cycle. But really, for the first time I've seen going after the Fed chairman a little bit uh, about whether they've already gone too quickly, too far. And and are they misreading an economy that that, you know, they're trying to say is is slowing down and, and may not need further rate hikes but right. yeah i i, I well, think it locks it in <clears throat> jim uh you had an item this morning about uh mortgage rates give us some yeah of the, they're, because, they're over because the cash per- the cash is already showing us the way uh yeah and this is why you're probably going to have a deep recession once it's all done i hope i'm wrong uh yeah. and you saw some housing numbers new housing uh down uh, i think double digits and that's just the beginning of this downturn and farm real estate will follow by the way. Right. Yeah, it, it, it certainly should. You guys and Davis and I have, have talked about this a little bit on the show briefly. Um, the, the fed seems so focused on the jobs data that things like the consumption index, things like the housing market seems to be, of less of a priority than the jobs data. And as long as the jobs data stays strong, that increases the odds that the Powell-led Fed is going to overshoot on this thing, doesn't it, Jim? Yes, as they have made mistakes throughout Powell's reign here. I think we're looking at the worst Fed in in decades. They missed the uh, inflation. Remember the transitory? They waited a year too late to start increasing interest rates, and they have to prove that they're worth it to me, and I I just don't see it. All right. Well, earlier this week, we got the GDP. That was up 2.6% annual rate. July through September broke two straight quarters of contraction in the economy. President Biden went out and started taking a victory lap on the GDP report, but then... Treasury Secretary Yellen comes out and says, we want to see growth slow. (laughs) We've got mixed, surprise, surprise, Jim, mixed messages from the administration. 
Yeah, well, you, that tells me Yellen is is uh, is going to leave after elections yeah. because she's telling the truth now. And second, uh, Biden uh, even uh, you know not only did he say look at the surging U.S. economy, which is wrong, uh, he also said that when he entered office, uh, average gasoline prices was five dollars. It just right. it's just wrong. You know, yeah. they were two dollars and thirty nine cents. Well, so he's off. Yeah. I don't understand this because last Sunday at a at a hall meeting talking about the student loan forgiveness plans, he said that he got it passed by a couple of votes. What, what was, was he his own about? executive? It was his own executive order. Again, in my speeches, I say I respect the presidency. I remember interviewing Senator Biden, and this is not the Biden I remember. Right. It's just a shame. Just a shame. Yeah. Tyson, it, you want to add anything? Uh, I Maybe he got it passed by a couple of votes in his cabinet meeting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's what he was referring to. I don't remember. <laughs> they should have spun that because they came, the remember. White House came out and said, no, they were talking. He was talking about the Inflation Reduction Act. Huh? No, he wasn't. No. Oh. It's just Guys, it, 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 it's my job to watch Congress hour by hour, <laughs> minute by minute. And I, I don't I'm sorry. I just don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> OK, uh, let's get to a topic that you wanted to discuss last week and we did not get to it. But now that the Chinese Communist Party Congress, the once every five year meeting has wrapped up, President Xi is president again, appears to be president for life. He's got some big plans, doesn't he, Tyson? Yeah, I just think, and, and appreciate that, Chip, I just think, you know, those of us in food and agriculture, and if you look across the board, right, China is our largest export market for so much of, of our food and ag output. And I, I think we've we failed to heed the lessons of the most recent past, not just, you know, COVID, but, but you know, Putin's invasion of Ukraine and when I see things like from the head of the U.S. Navy and the head of the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command talking about the likelihood increasing better than 50 percent uh, of a Chinese invasion of Taiwan, I just don't know if everyone's thought through, you know, what are the ramifications? Because China does that. We are, are committed to provide military assistance, pretty direct military assistance. Right. And then in terms of, you know, we're worried about tariffs now. What about just flat out embargoes or, or just a, a stoppage in doing business with China that would likely ensue? Yeah. And, and the difference here is, right, we're not going to have the, the fiscal means. Clearly what we're in now with inflation and I think both sides of Congress saying, you know, the, the era of easy fiscal stimulus is over. You know, people aren't going to be able to run to Congress and ask for, you know, market facilitation payments yeah. or, you know, bailout payments. And so I just think, look, listeners, companies ought to get prepared for for that possibility because it's no longer a remote possibility. Yeah. Jim, your take. It feels to me like with Russia's move into Ukraine. The analysis of what China has planned with Taiwan, globalization is, if, if it's not over, the you can see the end of it from here. 
uh, well, let's connect dots. Look at the okay. trade policy of the Biden administration. It's, it's almost non-existent. And agriculture is trade dependent. And until we go back to the historical approach to trade policy, increased market access, new trade agreements, et cetera, especially you need them as a antidote to what uh, Tyson said. And there are countries around the world that we can uh, uh, redirect, I think would be the right phrase, our trade for, for increases from um, other areas of the world. Yeah. You know, part of this is Mexico, biggest corn buyer, says yeah. that it plans to proceed with its with, with a plan to ban GMO corn. How are they going to pull that off, Tyson? Well, I, I thought it was interesting yesterday, the agriculture minister down there, the ministry said that, that the way one way they intend to pull it off is to is to cut individual agreements with growers in the U.S. So so, uh, you know, it, it sounds like they're going to try to do individual buying identity preserved corn buying with individual growers in the U.S. Really interesting. Really interesting, man. We've still got a lot of ground to cover. We're going to keep it rolling. Had a conversation yesterday with former Representative Mike Conaway out of Texas about the next farm bill. That's going to be next on the agenda here on the Free For All on Agritalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, Pearl Farmer Editor Brian Grady. Beach kind of, grain markets are kind of limping into the end of the week. What's going on? Yeah, um, just a kind of a malaise in the market here today, Chip. Uh, just no real buyer interest at all. Uh, outside markets, we got the dollar trading pretty solidly to the upside. Uh, crude oil is under pressure, and, and so uh, those are definitely uh, hurting and not helping uh, buyer interest any. And, and uh just a softer tone, everything but meal. Meal's trying to, to push to the upside a little bit here, but uh, uh, everything else is uh, weaker across the grain and soy markets. Yeah, uh, not getting a whole lot of help out of the energies today either, are they? No, no, like I mentioned, the, you know, crude oil's under pressure, and, and uh, um, I... Yeah. And I, I think that just into the end of the weekend here, and, and uh, it's not the end of the month. We have one more trading day on Monday, right. but, uh, you know, it kind of makes it uh, that the trade just feels that way, like it's end of month trade type of deal. Sure does. Okay, take us over to livestock trade. A bit of a bounce back in the hogs after yesterday's washout. Yeah, they're trying, although they're yeah. they're trading closer to their session lows right now, so just barely clinging to, to slight gains uh, after yesterday's technical move to the downside. And, and uh, so 
Uh, we'll see how it finishes, but uh, all in all, kind of a disappointing week of trade there in the hogs. And, and speaking of disappointing, I, I think the cattle, you know, we ran a new contract highs early in the week in live cattle futures and, and then backed off. And, and we saw the cash market strengthen as expected. Uh, new high for the uh, year, and it'll be the highest since uh, mid-2015 uh, when all said and done. Uh, but we just haven't generated a whole lot of buyer interest out of that. Feeder cattle are being supported a little bit by the uh, weakness in the corn market so far this morning. All right. Thank you very much, Brian. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. We'll get back to the free-for-all in one minute. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk. What more do you need to know? You don't have to go now, honey. Call them, tell them you won't be in today. Welcome back to AgriTalk and the free-for-all. Let's make sure the guys have got their... Audio unmuted. Let's get Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy Analyst, Tyson Redpath from the Russell Group back in here. You guys, I had a conversation yesterday. It was so much fun. Former House Ag Committee Chairman Mike Conaway. Um, it, it was good to catch up with Mr. Conaway. It was better to get the some of the insights, Jim. And you prompted one of the questions that I asked him right out of the shoot, basically, was if the House goes the way that that the polls indicate and the GOP takes control of the House, do we get back into a debt and deficit cutting uh, uh, Congress? And Jim, Conaway just said, well, they don't have any other choice. Do you think that's right? Uh, probably so. And because when Trump was president, uh, you didn't hear a peep about the deficit and the debt. And now all of a sudden the Republicans have come back home to being, uh, you know, fiscally, you know, prudent, uh, and this could affect the farm bill and probably increases the chances that we will and should have an extension rather than a new bill. Tyson, does the house have the stomach to cut spending? Um, well, I, look, one thing is, is the rubber is going to meet the road at some point next year when we actually have to suspend because we no longer set a monetary limit on the debt ceiling. We suspend it. Right. And they will have to suspend or do something on the statutory debt ceiling, uh, June, July of 2023. Uh, and you know, the reason that has been pushed back, frankly, is revenues are, are coming in. I, you know, I go back to the Ca- tax cuts and jobs act, which was a signature achievement of the last Republican majority, a signature achievement of the president, president Trump. Um, and look, tax revenues are coming in. Tax yeah. revenues are, are setting new records. Uh, it is the spend side of the ledger that, yep. Uh, yeah, Chip, we got to do something. I mean, it's yeah. like I said last week, you don't approve $6 trillion of fiscal <laughs> stimulus, COVID, market facilitation payments. Both sides were are responsible. Yes. Uh, and, and, and not have a day of reckoning coming. Yeah. And it's coming. Yeah. <clears throat> so that is going to complicate things because, Jim, if, if the farm, if there's going to be less money for the farm bill, the urban 
lawmakers are not going to want to touch the nutrition. That means that it comes out of Title I, which is a safety net or uh, conservation. Well, you're going to have, uh, at, from what we know even now, uh, the farm bill would, to- a new farm, a new farm bill would total over a trillion dollars, probably yeah, like 1.3 1. trillion. And Jeez. you're now at a level that is twice as high you know, on, the de- uh, on the debt as it was the last time the farm bill had to cut spending. That's just perspective. Uh, and again, nutrition, uh, not one, they'll want more money. If you don't have more money for food and nutrition, you won't have a new farm bill. Right. And, you know, Conaway took a, a roundabout way to the, on, on the 2018 bill, didn't he? I mean, at one point, wasn't nutrition separated from uh, the rest of the bill? Well, they wanted to do that, but he basically lost the battle with uh, Colin Peterson and right. the House Democrats. He had to come back and they had to fund. Now, he had some pretty good policy initiatives uh, on, on uh, a yep. better managed uh, you know, food and nutrition, especially food stamps, but it just couldn't fly. Yeah, there were some uh, requirements if you were going to be uh, using those nutrition programs, you had to meet some requirements. And, and Yes. And, and uh, on the debt, look for the Republicans in the lame duck session after the elections to try to do something early on the suspensions, as Tyson said, because they don't want the Republicans okay. to use this as leverage next year. I don't know whether right. they'll be successful, but they're going to try. Okay. Uh, last point on, on the conversation with Conaway, uh, he's confident that Representative Thompson, Glenn G.T. Thompson from Pennsylvania, who is expected to be the next House Ag Committee chairman, if the GOP takes the House, is, is up to the task uh, of, of a new farm bill negotiation in 2023. Tyson, what's your feeling there? Uh, no question about it. Uh, he okay. is up to the task. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's got a lot of experience. You know, he chaired the the subcommittee on conservation. He's now been ranking member. So he's got a broad and, and deep view of, of all of the titles of the Farm Bill, for sure. Okay. Um, okay. I'm, I lied. I'm going back to Conaway because he is not impressed, Jim, by the way that USDA is using the CCC funding for the, you know, the Climate Smart Farming Practices Got a question uh, from a listener, Tim. He wants to know, will the carbon initiatives be in the next farm bill, Jim? They'll add to some of it. But again, that's going to be controversial because now we have uh, reports, rumors that John Kerry is going to exit after the election because, let's be blunt, he doesn't want to have to appear between a Democrat uh, before a uh, a Republican led uh, committee structure out there. So they're going to lose some carry uh power there but uh, yeah all these things are uh, are going to surface in a farm a very controversial farm bill and again that's why i think the odds favor an extension but uh real quickly uh gt uh, uh, gt thompson told me that he's going to do whatever he can to get a new farm bill and his passion is there so at least yeah. he's going to try yep absolutely good good stuff okay Diesel stocks in this country. Uh, we had Jordan Fife from BioUrgia on earlier this week to discuss what's going on there. It, you know, with this administration, a problem festers and festers and festers and festers. And then all of a sudden we get the, oh, we've been watching this for months. And here's what we're going to do about it now. 
Jim, it feels like the administration is getting ready to do something about tight diesel stocks. What's your take? Well, there's a limited, but they don't have that large of a strategic reserve for diesel. And uh, how many months have we talked about this on on AgriTalk, Chip, that this was a problem that was going to come late this year and it's here? You know, Tyson, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Look, uh, but even before Russia invaded Ukraine, um, and and that certainly was accentuated by that act, by that that invasion, um, I Jim knows, and and I follow the diesel market pretty closely. It was clearly apparent and very evident as far back as February of this year. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was. Now, there's some talk about putting a minimum stocks level on the northeast heating oil stocks. Davis, check me on this. Make sure that I'm getting mm-hmm. this right. Um, and, and, you know, that's diesel um, mm-hmm. for the most part. It's a refined stock. There, there's some speculation, and I asked uh, White House Economic Advisor Jared, or, uh, White House Economic Council of Advisors is what he's on, uh, if there is a chance that we could see some sort of a restriction on exports it, it, to rebuild those stocks. And he he paused, he thought about his answer, and he said, you know what, I don't want to talk about anything too specific about a potential plan that may be coming from the administration. Jim, it told me right there that he that, that the administration is going to somehow, some way, restrict exports. What if that happens? Yeah, well, that's a bad signal for any commodity market for the years ahead, including agriculture, because if if we were to have weather-related problems at the end of this harvest or uh, in planting next year, what will they do in the ag market? Well, and for some perspective, if they're talking about the New England distillate supply, which would, if I'm not mistaken, would include both diesel fuel and home heating oil, uh, we're looking at stocks – less than half of what they were uh, this time last year. Midwest is is slightly below. Uh, meanwhile, West Coast, Rocky Mountain, Gulf Coast, all basically in line with year ago. But New England is desperately low on distillate stocks. They're going to have to do something. You want to talk about a kitchen table issue? This is a oh. kitchen table issue. Absolutely. We're down to like a 27-day supply going well, into at, winter. Well, at 7 days ago we were at a 25.9 day supply. Now that compares okay. to a year ago at 30 days of supply, but we'll get updated numbers on that here uh later on today and so we'll we'll see where we're at today, but we're about 5 days below as of EIA's last report a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. Had an interesting conversation with Ken Morrison from Morrison on the Markets yesterday afternoon on AgriTalk talking about the diesel situation. Jim, he he just basically said, listen, I don't see any other way out of it. We've got to put some sort of a restriction on on the export of refined products. <laughs> that is coming to from a guy that I know, I know has been a free marketer for forever. It pained him to say it. Yeah. I, uh, I well, it's just that go. it sets a precedent, like I said before. And I, I just, I'm going to have to research this on New England. Why haven't they converted to another source of heating, uh, you know, for all these I wonder decades? that too. Yeah. yeah heating I just, oil. Who I uses heating oil? Yeah, just well, odd. Well, you guys, those houses were built in the 1920s, 1930s. Yeah. Chip, 
Chip's absolutely right. I think that's a lot of it. And, and, and it's just, you know, it's the, it's the oldest part of the country. It's the original part of our country. And it just has some of the oldest, uh, you know, home infrastructure that, that you'll find. Yeah. But if the Democrats are going to throw billions of dollars and that's their territory up there, they should have thrown billions of dollars at this problem. It would have been far better. Yeah. Replace a bunch of furnaces. Yeah. Yes. That's interesting. You guys, it was an abbreviated free-for-all today, but, man, you guys did a great job covering the, the issues. Tyson, thank you so much for sitting in the last couple of weeks. Really appreciate you. Uh, my pleasure, Chip. Go Dusty Baker. <laughs> <laughs> to produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Welcome back to AgriTalk and the Farm Journal College Roadshow. This week, Tyne Morgan and her crew are in Manhattan, Kansas, at Kansas State University, learning all about the great things happening there at K-State. Thanks to Bex for making it possible for AgriTalk to bring you the coverage. Tyne will have full coverage this weekend on U.S. Farm Report. And joining us now from K-State, Dr. Terry Griffin. Dr. Griffin is a cropping systems economist at K-State Research and Extension. You know what? you got to give him a follow on Twitter. It's worth it. It's at Space Plowboy. Dr. Griffin, welcome to AgriTalk. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, Chip. It's great to be here today. Good, good, good. Okay. I want to focus on the adoption of precision ag practices. And uh, I know you've got some interesting research on this, and I want to get to it. But where are we in, in where are we on the curve of adopting what's available? So anywhere in the country, we're not 100% adoption yet. We will be someday, um, but not yet. But that's not to say that we should be at 100% yet. There are still farm operators who have made the conscious decision of not adopting for a variety of reasons. Um, but we do fully expect in the future, maybe when uh, Generation Z becomes the you know, majority of farm operators, that precision ag technologies from yield monitors and variable rate to all the automated guidance technologies would become ubiquitous, become 100% of farm operators and farm acres. Hmm. I like that that you say that they've given you some of the reasons not to adopt. What makes a farmer more or less likely to adopt some of these precision ag practices 
So as an economist, you can imagine, I think about dollars and cents quite a bit. And, and I yep, do. Good. Uh, profitability is a big underlying factor here, but it's not the only thing that we measure as economists. Uh, we also measure happiness, satisfaction. Um, in theory, we call it utility. You know, if you've had Econ 101, you've talked about utility maximization, you know, how satisfied are you with your operation? And so, you know, a farm is an extension of the rural household, right? So it's not just a individual working in a business. It is a business that encompasses the entire rural household. And so profitability is paramount but so is something I refer to as quality of life. And some technologies make the world better. You know, if, if you've been on a tractor in the 1980s, 1990s, before automated guidance, you know it takes quite a bit of skill set to drive straight parallel passes. Yeah. And with the advent My dad of, reminded uh, me of that many times, Terry. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was accused <laughs> of following the cow at the end of the fence row instead of uh, focusing on the fence post. Yep, and, and so that skill set was replaced by a satellite connection and an algorithm, yeah. and it made life better. All of a sudden, you had 15, 20 minutes uh, that you didn't have to be focused on driving straight. And it, it increased the quality of life, not only for the operator of the machine, but for the entire rural household. Mm -hmm. Now, if we think about that in terms of yield monitors and variable rate, we don't have that same level of quality of life improvement. Actually, if if you take an average person and give them a bunch of data, their life doesn't get better. It probably right. gets worse. You know, data doesn't make life better unless you're ready to make use of it. But automated guidance and automated section control, it was those magic tickets that made life better for everybody. Yeah. What is the difference between those that have been willing adopters and those that might be resisting? Well, sometimes it has to do with uh, financial resources, you know. Um, so if you buy a new fill-in-the-blank tractor, sprayer, planter, you will have technology as far as the electric electrical components, the hydraulics, if you will. Uh, it, it may be a question of paying a yearly subscription to have it turned on. So the technology is there for those who have the resources. You know, the biggest question is, why don't I use these yeah. technologies? And why don't I spend time there and I yield monitor data? Well, you know, the flip side of quality of life is something I call human capital. And human capital is a good thing, um, but it takes a substantial investment in order for us to gain the human capital to make use of data. And so think of, you know, sitting in front of a computer working on a spreadsheet. Those are great skills to have, but they're not costless. You, you have to invest your own time and resources to develop, uh, get past that learning curve. And to make use of some of these technologies, uh, some operators have opted to not devote that level of effort to become experts at it. And so that's one reason why they look to third-party service providers to provide insights on how to use data, but, you know, it's not like, um, you know, the example would be uh, spraying. Um, we have lots of third-party service providers for applying fertilize. We just don't have yep. that many who are providing data services. Right. Right. Okay. So let's go to the moment that we're in right now with the high cost of ag inputs. 
is that do you think that that will accelerate the adoption of some of the technologies that are available it, it does it does yeah. and you know variable rate technology is one of my favorites to watch because yep. you know it's been around for a very long time and there there's a lot of competing service providers out there for that and when prices are high uh, input prices are high we start to have um, more service providers coming out of the woodwork making claims that they have divine insights into how they can make it work while their yeah. other competitors cannot. And, you know, it's, it's just, can I say it's a form of digital snake oil when yeah. we hear these stories about only that one service provider has that skill set. Um, we're seeing a lot of that right now with the high input prices. Yeah. Yeah. 30 seconds. What's next for Precision Egg Technology? We're going to automate all the data management and data analysis practices. Just like we've automated driving a tractor and straight yeah. parallel passes, we're going to automate data management and data analysis. Not today, Holy next year, maybe. Make a pass across the field and it gives you the answer of what you need to do better next year. I love that possibly, idea. Yeah, it could possibly yeah. even do the inputs for you. you. We may remove the human from that decision too. Wow, really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Dr. Griffin, good luck against Okie State tomorrow. Appreciate you. <laughs> yes, sir. Thanks, Chip. Yeah, that is Dr. Terry Griffin, cropping systems economist there at K State. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again on Monday morning right here on AgriTalk.